Again, today as we look at God's Word, let me invite your attention again Second Chronicles 34, talking about the life of Josiah. A number of years ago, many of you may have watched this show, it was Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy hosted that show, and there would be fifth graders on there, but they would be adult contestants. And here's oftentimes what would happen. Those fifth graders are so, so smart. The adult contestant would miss a question. He or she would have to look the camera in the eyes and ultimately say, I missed the question. I'm going to drop out of school. And then the contestant would say this, because I am not smarter than a fifth grader. Uh, that would probably be the case for many of us, because many of the questions they asked, I couldn't have answered them either. This morning, though, in this message about the life of Josiah, I'm not asking you if you're smarter than a fifth grader. But here's what I do want to ask you. Are you holier than a second grader or a third grader? Josiah was eight years old when God put him in leadership position. One thing you'll know from the Word of God is he loves to use young people. Life of Joseph, young man of integrity, handled temptation God's way, faced all sorts of adversities in his life, but he was faithful to Almighty God. Samuel, another young man, heard the voice of God and listened to what God said to him, and Samuel obeyed the leadership of God. Daniel, another young man, found himself in a lion's den, hungry lions ready to devour his life, Daniel was faithful before he got in the den. He was faithful in the lion's den to keep his eyes on God, and God protected him, and God used this young man, his servant, Daniel. Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, a young girl in her life. An angel of the Lord came to her and gave her a promise about this child that was going to be born to her, and she just simply surrendered, and she said, Let it be to me as you have said, because I am a servant. God used her as a young girl. And then Josiah, eight years old, taking a leadership position. We're going to know more about his life and what God did in his life, but an incredible young man at eight years old, and then we see the development of his life in Second Chronicles chapter 34 and following, but God used him. Can you imagine at eight years of age becoming the president of the United States? Can you imagine that? I don't know what you were doing at eight years of age, but I never thought about that kind of leadership position when I was eight years old. And can you imagine what Josiah was able to see in his day? Let me give you some insights to this. He saw people who were living in bondage, spiritual bondage. He saw all sorts of evil, demonic activities happening around him. He saw false worship firsthand with his own eyes. And then he saw the word of God had been collecting dust. Rather than being proclaimed and obeyed and followed, it had been collecting dust. But God was going to use this young man, eight years of age, developed from there to use him in an incredible life-changing way. And so I just want to say today to preschoolers and kids and students, collegiate students, I just want to encourage you to lean in and make sure your life is available to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in your relationship with him as a disciple, but also to make sure that your yes is on the table. However God wants to use you, that you will say yes to the leadership of God in your life. Now, let me ask you these questions. How old do you have to be to be used of God? Uh, what age qualifies you to be anointed by his Holy Spirit? 
And what age do you have to be to say, God, my yes is on the table. Whatever you ask me to do, then I'm going to do it. Now, you have to realize if you answer those questions, if we say you can be too young, then we can also say you can be too old. And so where where, where do you find yourself, God? Uh, How old do you have to be? Can you use somebody who's young? And we're going to see, and again, the life of Josiah. Why don't you look with me just for a second. Turn over to the book of Hosea. The prophecy of Hosea, again, as we look at God's word here, we see in Hosea chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 and then verse 2, it was an incredible invitation. And it just says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. And on the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. It was an invitation for God's people to return to him so that revival would come to the people of God again. The word that we can come around is the word repentance. The word repentance just means a change of direction. You turn around, you go from following the ways of the world and you turn and you follow the leadership of God. Throughout the Old Testament, the word repentance is used about a thousand times. In the book of Hosea, it's used about 23 times. But here's what's happening in Second Chronicles 34. Under the leadership of Josiah, God is calling his people to come back to him. They've been living in bondage, but God was going to set them free. And I wonder today, how many of us would be honest enough to say, God, for one, I walk into this place on Sunday or I log on somewhere around the world and watching online, but God, the truth of the matter is I'm living in bondage in my life. I'm bondage maybe to my past. Maybe I'm in bondage to some addictive behaviors. Or maybe you find yourself in bondage to trying to please people and even the issue of pride. And somewhere you just say, God, I'm living in bondage to these things. But you also come and say, God, I want to hear your voice. And when I hear your voice, I want to walk away being set free. So God, revive me, call me back to you, restore me. Because God, I don't want to live in bondage. I want to live free. And God can do that in your life today just as he did it in the life of Josiah and the people around him. God wants to do it in your life, in my life, and in our lives together, wherever you are, literally around the world. And so I want you to lean in here over the next number of minutes as we walk through this text, because I want to give you some insights about Josiah that relate to you and me. And then as the Holy Spirit will lead and guide, we're going to call ourselves to an invitation here in just a little bit about following the leadership of Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. Look at number one, live different from the world. As you think about the life of Josiah, I just challenge you to live different from the world. Over the years, whether it be secular or spiritual, I've read many, many books on leadership. And it's interesting, those books on leadership, they all really say the same thing. We'll use different language, different terms, but but in many ways it comes back to the same principles and concepts. One of the great understandings of leadership, spiritual or secular, is if you're going to be an effective, growing, efficient leader, then you need to have goals in your leadership. Short-term goals, long-term goals. And so as you look at your life today, again, you may be a kid, you may be a student, a collegiate student, young adult, an adult of different ages. When you look at your life, can you say that you have long-term goals and can you say you have short-term goals? As you look at that, you may say, well, sure, I've got a goal. I've got a goal to be debt-free. 
I've got a goal to get enrolled in a certain university. I've got a goal to land this job or a goal to get married or a goal to have kids. I've got a goal to make this much money in life. I've got a goal to climb the ladder of success. You can go on and on and on. But let me ask you of all different ages in this room and watching, how many of us have a goal? And here's what it is. God, the goal of my life is to live a life that pleases you. Josiah was going to live a life in the sense that he was desiring to please God in his life. Now, you can have all sorts of goals related to many, many things, but how many of us today, whatever age you are, you have a goal to walk in God's ways, to live faithful to him, and to please him in every area of your life? And so how do you do that? Let me give you these right here. Number one, display courage. When you look at this text again, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So you go from being eight years old to 39 years old here. And then here's what it says. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Notice what that says. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't do what was right in the eyes of the world. He didn't do what was right in the eyes of his friends. He didn't even do what was right in his own eyes. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, let me ask you, when you look at your life, if you're going to live a life that's pleasing unto God and obeying him in every area, when you look at your life, are you doing what is right in the eyes of God? Again, not not the world, not your friends, not even yourself, but are you doing what is right in the eyes of God? Because I can tell you, As we look at our nation and the issues that are facing us in so many ways, if you are going to do what is right in the eyes of God, you must display courage in the Christian life because you're going to go against what this culture is doing. You're going to stand when everyone else may be seated. You're going to sit when everyone else is standing. You're going to be very, very different in your school, in your neighborhood, among your friends, out in public. But if you're going to live a life that pleases God, you will have to display courage in your life. And Josiah was a young man who did what was right in the eyes of God, and he displayed incredible spiritual courage in his life. Number two, model surrender. The text goes on to say, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says, and he walked in the ways of David, his father. Other translations say David, his ancestor. And so when you look at it, but he walked in the ways of David, his father. Here's what we know. We know this about David. David wasn't a perfect man. We know that. But he was a man after God's own heart. David lived a life of surrender. And Josiah, eight years of age, is living a life of surrender. Again, kids and students, collegiate students, young people in this room. When you look at your lives, you've got years and years and years ahead of you, as you understand. When you look at your life, are you living the Christian life with courage? And are you living the Christian life with surrender? As we look around, we see many, many, many churches in our day. Churches that are plateaued, declining, and even dying. And you say, why are those churches plateaued? Why are they declining? Why are these churches dying? Here's why. It's an issue of surrender. The people of God are not surrendered to follow the leadership of God. They're not committed to attend. They're not committed to give. They're not committed to serve. And when God's people aren't surrendered to attend, give, and serve, the church suffers dramatically. 
and many churches are hanging on by a thread. Why? It's a lack of surrender in the Christian life from the people of God. So I just challenge you, whatever age you are, again, individuals who are members of this church, you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're following him as a disciple. Make sure you live courageous, but also make sure you live surrendered. Be faithful to attend. Be faithful to give. Be faithful to serve. Let God use you in the Christian life. Number three, pursue consistency. As you look at this text, again, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed in the ways of David, his father, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Josiah was a consistent young man. He wasn't on and off again. It wasn't just about Christmas, Easter, maybe another holiday or two throughout the year. He was consistent in his Christian life. And I just challenge every one of us in the Christian life, wherever you live in that, again, in your home, in your school, your workplace, out in public, make sure you are living a consistent walk with Christ in your life. Be consistent. Again, let your lifestyle match what you say so there's, there's balance between your words and your actions. Be consistent. Here's what's going to happen, though. If you live consistent in the Christian life, you can expect your consistency to be challenged. But if you live consistent, you can expect this, that your life will be a powerful witness to other people around you because God uses individuals, young individuals, again, who are modeled and surrendered to him, who are courageous, but also who's living consistent to him. So again, folks, let me ask you, are you, are you living consistent? Are you living surrendered? And are you living courageous in the Christian life? You must be willing to live different from the world. And I'll say this again. I said last week, if your life looks like the world as a believer in Christ, something is missing in your relationship with Jesus. Because your life, your relationship, your walk with him should look different than the ways of this world. Live different from the world. Look at number two. Initiate change as God leads. Now, this is where it gets a little uncomfortable for many of us, even as Baptists. Change is a word that many of us just a little bit uncomfortable about. It's one thing to experience change. It's another thing to initiate change. And Josiah, as a young man, he's not going to just experience change. He is going to initiate change. We're going to walk through that. I read an article, Fast Company Magazine, some time ago, and it was a cardiologist who wrote this. He was writing about heart patients. And he had these heart patients who were coming to him and he said to them, you've got a choice to make. You can make some changes in your life and live or you can keep doing what you're doing and die. Which one is it going to be for you? And here's what he said to those patients. You're going to need to stop smoking. You're going to need to stop drinking. And you're going to need to stop overeating. And then he said, you're going to need to change some things about your life. You need to reduce stress in your life. You need to start eating more fruits and vegetables and you need to start exercising almost every day of your life. And if you'll do those those things, you're going to start living rather than dying. And here's what this cardiologist said. He told those patients that 90% of his patients chose death over life. It's hard to change. But as you look at this text, Josiah is going to lead change. Now, if you're going to initiate change, let me give you some insight to these. Number one, seek God. As this text says, in the eighth year of his reign, again, he's 16 years old now. While he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. 
He is seeking God. What does Matthew 6.33 says? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be given unto you. Are you seeking God in your life? And here Josiah is seeking the heart of God in his life. He is seeking the Lord. Now, when I think about this, when I thought about this text, when I look back, I can say, God, I am seeking you. Let me just be transparent. I am seeking the heart of God over the faith building of what God wants us to do in the days ahead. Over the last number of months, I have been seeking the heart of God to say, God, will you raise up the right people at the right time who will come and serve with us on the ministry team here at First Baptist Church, seeking the heart of God. I continue and will continue to seek the heart of God to say, God, will you allow our church to be healthy, united, and vibrant for the glory of God that we can turn this city and literally the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you seeking God in your life? Josiah was a young man, but he was seeking God. I challenge you as young folks in this room and watching, make sure it is a regular practice of your life. Seek the heart of God in your life. Number two, clean house. The text goes on to say when he was, again, 16 years old, he started seeking God in the the 12th year of his reign. He began, and that's 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and the and Jerusalem of the high places. He is cleaning house. Uh, I said a few weeks ago, and I'm still doing more. I'm still cleaning house when it comes to emails. I'm eliminating a lot of emails in my life. I get many emails, but I'm eliminating those that I don't have any interest in. So I'm just unsubscribing to all those. I'm working through closets right now, getting rid of clothes. It's wise to clean house. Many of you understand that. And here Josiah is at 20 years of age. He's going to start purging these cities of all the wickedness of the high places. And you say, what does it mean to do that in the high places? You have to realize we think it's bad in our day. Realize what was happening in Josiah's day. And here's what was going on. When you look at the high places, what happened there? Sexual immorality happened on the high places. Demonic activity happened on the high places. Child sacrifice happened on the high places. And here Josiah is, young man in his life, sees the wickedness, the rebellion, the disobedience to God, and he is going to do something that other people refuse to do, and he is going to seek God, but he is also going to clean house. He's not going to experience change. He's going to initiate change. That is not easy to do. Now, I want to ask you this question. This is not easy to do. When you look at your life, do you look at areas of your life that are displeasing to God? You may look at your thought life or some behavior or some addiction or something you do. It's just displeasing to God. And here's the big question. When you identify something in your life that's displeasing to God, are you willing by the Holy Spirit's leadership to remove it? It's a major question. And that's not just experiencing change, that's initiating change in your own life because it's going to influence you, but also other people around you. How do you need to clean house in your life? How serious are you about doing that? Here's what I can tell you. Some people look at your life and you say, God, there are areas in my life displeasing to you. And God, I need to clean house. And, and it could be you start with so-called friends in your life. They say they're friends, but they're a bad influence on your life. Can you think of anybody in your life who's a bad influence in your life, not drawing you closer to Christ, but pulling you away from him? And how do you need to handle that relationship if that person is influencing you in a negative, ungodly way? How do you do that? 
Now, what about gossip? Maybe you just have this sensation about gossiping about other people and you say, God, I know this is displeasing to you because gossip separates close friends. It doesn't unite relationships. And so, God, I need to be set free from gossip. What about pornography in your life? Anybody in this room, anybody watching, dealing, struggling with pornography, and you say, God, I want to be set free from that because I know that behavior is not pleasing unto you. And what about maybe some people in the workplace, you are flirting with other people in the workplace and you know that's not displeasing in your marriage and it's not displeasing to God. And so when you identify those areas that are displeasing to God, how serious are you about removing those high places in your life? You say, well, how do I do that? What does that look like? Well, you're going to seek God and you're going to say, God, I need to clean house. and I can't do that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for example, if you've got friends in your life, so-called friends who are a bad influence in your life, maybe you change your cell phone number so they don't have your number and they can't call you. And somebody would say, well, listen, I can't change my phone number. I mean, I could never do that. Well, are you serious about getting rid of those influences in your life? You say, well, I don't want to be somebody who gossips. Well, maybe God wants you to get away from social media for a time. How serious are you about doing that? Pornography, maybe you get rid of your computer. Maybe you put safeguards, boundaries around it. Maybe you find yourself in an accountable relationship. How serious are you about that? Flirting in the workplace. Maybe God wants you to move to another job so you get away from those type relationships. How serious are you about cleaning house in your own life? Josiah started cleaning house. Number three, overcome obstacles. When you look at Josiah here, what were the obstacles in his life? And I promise you this, when you start initiating change, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your, uh, in your workplace, or even in the context of the church, you can write this down. Obstacles will come your way. It happens. What were those? Let me give you these three. One is age. Again, we look, he started at 8, we see 16, we see 20. There's another reference when he's 26. There's another reference when he's 39. We're tracking the life of Josiah. But some of his obstacles would have been age at 8 years of age. Second, his background. Josiah came from a very, very, very troubled background in his life. Now, when you look at his family history, yes, you see David, an ancestor of David. You can also see Hezekiah. But then when you look at his grandfather, his grandfather was Manasseh. Then you look at his father was Amon, and they were wicked to the core. I mean, they did everything disobedient to God. And here Josiah is looking at his dad, looking at his granddad, wicked to the core, but God's going to break the cycle in Josiah's life. And Josiah's life is going in a very, very different direction than his dad's life was and his granddad's life was. But his background was going to be an obstacle. And then thirdly, as people, he was around wicked, ungodly people who practiced disobedience and who lived lives of disobedience. And and Josiah was around those people. And so when you see God and you start cleaning house, you need to expect you're going to face obstacles. And some of those obstacles will be your age or it could be your background or it could be people in your life. Initiate chains. Number three, obey scripture with heartfelt devotion. As you look at this text, Josiah's cleaning house and getting ready of things and wanting them to please God and to come back to God, experience restoration, renewal, revival. And then all of a sudden there was this guy named Shaphan 
And Shaphan goes to a place as they're getting ready to temple and all that kind of stuff. He finds something in the temple and it's an amazing discovery. What is one of the greatest things you've ever discovered in your life? And I really believe this. One of the greatest discoveries I've ever seen in my own life happens in the, in the city of Bethlehem. And in this little store, I've had the opportunity to see this with my own eyes. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in a place called Qumran in the Holy Land, they found these ancient scrolls and jars, containers. And there are only like four of these containers in the world, the authentic containers. And a store in Bethlehem is the Dead Sea Scroll jar that had the prophet Isaiah in that jar, the scrolls of Isaiah. I asked the guy who owns it because his grandfather is the one who discovered him what that is worth. And he said, that jar is priceless. It is literally worth millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And when I stood there in that store in Bethlehem and I looked at it with my own eyes, that, that jar, that, scroll, that, that container contained the very scrolls of the prophet Isaiah. What an amazing discovery. And I got to see that with my own eyes. What's the greatest discovery you've ever found? And in this text here, what did they find? They found the word of God. Been collecting dust, but they found the word of God. And so what happened? Shaphan found it, took it to Hilkiah the high priest, and then Hilkiah brought it to Josiah, and then he starts reading to him the word of God. Here's what I'm amazed about in our church. When I think about the word of God, I remember a mission trip I was on in Russia many years ago. Angie and I were together. Uh, we literally had thousands of Bibles printed in the Russian language we were able to buy. And we gave those Russians, I mean, literally thousands of people, copies of the Bible, their own Bible. They'd never had a Bible in their lives. This was the first Bible they ever received. I'll never forget seeing the response of those people in Russia when we gave them a copy of the Word of God. Life-changing for them. Life-changing for us. Just a couple of weeks ago at VBS on Friday, the Gideons were here and they gave out 300 copies of God's word, the boys and girls who left Bible school on that Friday, putting the word of God into the hands of boys and girls. Our church partnered with Reach the Rest here a number of months ago. We gave a number of a significant amount of money given to them. And here's what happened. They bought 40,000 Bibles with that money to give to men and women and people in the Middle East. God's word is going forth. And so when you obey God with heartfelt devotion, Robert Lewis wrote a book many years ago called The Church of Irresistible Influence. And in that book, again, there's a lot of things he says in there, but here's a question he asked. He said, if your church closed its doors, would anyone in the community notice or even care? Does this church have that kind of influence? And we're not going to close the doors because God's at work here. But if this church closed, would anybody in this city, anybody downtown, anybody in this area even notice to say, you know, First Baptist Church used to be there, they're not there now. Would anyone miss us? I believe they would. Because we want to be a church of irresistible influence. We want to be individuals of irresistible influence. And Josiah listening to the word of God. And what is his response? When he hears the word of God, here's what happens. The Bible says he tore his clothes, but the Bible also says he wept at the reading of God's word. Now, let me ask you, when you think about the hearing of God's word, when we read the word of God and you listen to the word of God, are we weeping or are we yawning at the word of God? 
Church, we don't have time to yawn at the word of God. We should be coming before Almighty God weeping. Why? Because God is speaking to us, drawing us back to himself. And God wants to use us in our day and our generation to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to use us. And here Josiah is, a young man in his life, weeping and tearing his clothes. Look at these statements about the word of God. Number one, regular use. I encourage you, just like Josiah, when you get the copy of the Word of God, wear that Bible out. Wear it out because you're reading the Word of God every day of your life. Number two, personal conviction. When you get a copy of the Word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. Let Him convict you of your sin, of your disobedience, a life that's not pleasing unto Him. Let Him convict you, and when you are convicted, you repent and you come back to God and find obedience in Him. And then number three, just intentional application, because when you look at chapter 34 there at the end, that's exactly what Josiah does. He gathers the people together and he starts making application. God, use us and use me. The power of the word of God. Young people look this way. Young people, when you see people with gray hairs, I just encourage you, don't write them off. Because you need people with gray hairs in your life. Older people, I want to encourage you. When you look at young people in your life, don't write them off. You need younger people in your life. And church, I just plead with us, when we look at this younger generation, the next generation, would you and I ask God to raise them up as spiritual champions for the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ? Well, we ask God to raise this generation up. Here's what I know. We need young people to be involved in the ministry of this church. And older people, we need to be planting trees that we will never sit under the shade. But we're seeking to plant trees so the next generation can follow God and know how to glorify him and walk with him. We need to be doing that. Yesterday, I had the opportunity... Uh, the call of the senior pastor, Ainge and I were in our 20s. When God called and to our first ministry assignment, I served with him. He is 86 years old right now in his life. And I called him yesterday because I've been wanting to hear his voice and have a conversation with him. But I called him yesterday just to say, thank you, thank you, thank you for you and your wife who's in heaven for investing in Ainge and me many, many years ago when we were extremely young in life and in ministry. And then I prayed with him over the phone. We need to be investing in this next generation. Young people, I want to ask you, are you surrendering your life to Christ? Are you open for God to use you? Here in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. and I want to encourage you, young people or old people, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, follow him in believer's baptism. Don't delay, don't procrastinate, obey him. I want to encourage you to join the fellowship of this church this morning as Tony and Tammy came as they start their ministry here at First Baptist Church. They've already committed to membership in this church. Why membership matters. God wants us connected and involved in the, in the lives of people. And that's why the church matters. Make a connection, join the fellowship of this church, say yes to this family. God's calling you into ministry. There's another part of your life. You need to obey him. Say yes to the leadership of God. But here's what I want to encourage us this morning. 
Here's the life of Josiah. Had a wicked, wicked grandfather. He had a wicked, wicked father. And Josiah, eight years of age in his life, says, God, that cycle of wickedness and rebellion must be broken. And Josiah, under God's leadership, went a different direction in his life. I wonder how many people in this worship center, how many people watching online, you look at the lives of your dad, your granddad, your mother, your grandmother, how many of you would look at them and say, you know, when I look back and I see the lives of my dad, my granddad, my mother, my grandmother, maybe you look back and you see a pattern of immorality. Maybe you see a pattern of alcohol, drug abuse. Maybe you see a pattern of anger. Maybe you see a pattern of of addictions. Maybe you see a pattern of pride. You saw it in your in your grandfolks. You saw it in your parents. Now you're seeing traces of that even in your own life. I wonder how many people today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to say, Lord, the cycle of my family needs to be broken. Because you may be looking at your life and you're going down the same pathway as your dad, your granddad, your mother, your grandmother. You see traces of immorality. You see anger. You see addictions to alcohol, drugs, other things in life. You see your life going in the same direction. And you need to come by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, break this cycle. Let me have a new day, a new plan. Let me be like Josiah to God to see you use me different than my parents or grandparents. How many of you are willing to pray today to say, God, let this cycle in my life and my family be broken? And God can do that. I want us to bow our heads together and we're gonna we're gonna pray and we're gonna come before the Lord here with a with a response to be obedient to Him. Here's what I'm gonna ask you. You need to give your life to Jesus. He's the only one who'll save you. You need to make another spiritual decision. He will change your life. But I want to encourage you, if you see a cycle in your life that's not pleasing to God, that's going in the same direction of wickedness and ungodliness in your family. Would you just have the courage today to come to this altar with your family and say, God, help us to break this cycle of disobedience, rebellion, ungodliness, and wickedness. God, let it start with me. Heavenly Father, this morning, we can learn a lot from an eight-year-old. And God, I thank you for Josiah. And God, I pray in this invitation for anyone who needs to say yes to Jesus. Savior, Lord, best friend, deliverer, healer, whatever the title may be. Lord Jesus, draw people to yourself in this room, online, somewhere. Oh God, let them say yes to the Holy Spirit's leadership, conviction, and response. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, this invitation is yours, it's not mine. And Lord, we're asking people to come to you. And Father, thank you for our pastoral team. Thank you for our prayer warriors. God, we are here to receive people. They can, they can respond online, Lord, to the platform they're watching on, and we'll respond to them before this day's out. But Lord Jesus says, you use Josiah. Use us, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.